Thanks for listening to the Galilee Students Podcast. We exist to help students love God, love others, and serve all. Made it into the cornerstone. 
Alright, so this kind of goes, goes into what Peter's talking about here with this cornerstone idea, which is what we're going to get back to uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. Peter says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. All right, I want to, I want to key this right quick here. Um, just in case you don't know this word Zion, we actually talked about this in Sunday school this morning. But Zion was the hill um, where the temple was built in Jerusalem. All right, so that's what, that's what he's talking about here. He's building this temple on Zion, in Zion. And Jesus is that cornerstone. All right, that's what he's saying. That he's the cornerstone of a great spiritual house or temple, which can also be looked at as a church, right? Jesus is cornerstone of the church. He's the building block of the church. Alright, and Paul kind of uses this same idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, where he says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By grace, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So just like, just like the spiritual house built on God, we also have these certain responsibilities we must fill, right? That's what Peter is saying here. The church, the church was given, Jesus was given to fulfill so many responsibilities, right? Um, he was given to walk with, he was given to lead, he was given um, to just be loving the people. And just the same the church is, right? We see the church going out. We see them serving in communities. We see them giving back to the people around them. You see the church, you see them loving people, right? A lot of, a lot of churches will gather together donations or money for certain organizations or families in the church that may need it. And you see the church being called to the same kind of responsibility that we see Jesus was called for. And that's ultimately because Jesus was that building block, right? You... If you try to build something on somebody, if you're learning from somebody, you're going to see a lot of that same person within yourself, right? That's what we're seeing here with Jesus being the cornerstone for the church. But just like the church, we as an individual, we as people also have certain responsibilities that we may fulfill. Um, and we see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And we're going to skip 7 through 8. I'm going to come back to those in a second. But 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All right, so we see here in verses 9 through 10 that we serve as a holy priesthood to God, that we offer spiritual sacrifices to him. Alright, and a lot of times throughout the Bible, the Bible will tell us and shows us ways that we can offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Right? There's multiple ways that we can do that. Um, but I'm going to go through four of them. I'm going to go through four of them right quick. The first one we find in Romans 12, 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So here we're being told by Paul in Romans that we should offer our bodies. To Jesus as a sacrifice, right? He says that is our true and proper worship to offer our bodies up as sacrifices. 
Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly professes his name. So we see here in Hebrews, uh, once again, Paul is telling us to use our praise um, to be a sacrifice for God. That is another way that we can sacrifice to him through professing his name. If you go verse over Hebrews 13, 16, it talks about doing good and sharing. It says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. All right, so we have our bodies, we have our praise, and we also have by doing good and sharing his name with others. All right, and then one more I want to look at, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So here in 2 Timothy, Paul even tells us that even through our deaths, that we can be a sacrifice to God. Later on in verses 9 through 10, we see that, Paul, uh, that Peter also goes on to say that, we, that because of this, because we are God's holy priesthood, because we um, our spiritual sacrifices to him that we are also his special people. Right? God is also going to use us as his people. We're people with a special task of proclaiming, proclaiming the praises of God, right? And there's so many things that we can that we can share about God, right? We share about his love, his mercy. We share about his sacrifice he made, his forgiveness that we receive daily. We've been called to go out and preach this. We've been called to go out and share what we have because of his grace, right? Because it's by his grace that we've been called out of darkness and into the light, right? That's one thing that we have to share. Another thing that we see here in 1 Peter is that Peter tells us that we were not a people, but because of God, we are now a people, right? We were not a people, but because of this, we are now the people of God, okay? And finally, we've obtained mercy. We're dead to sin. Alright, so these are three things that we've been called to go out and preach for God. There's no more darkness. You're not alone anymore. You have people around you, the church who wants to walk through this life with you. And finally, you no more, you no longer have to be a slave to sin. Right? You can let sin go. You can take on this life with a father who loves you and forgives you. And ultimately just wants to be that person you lean on. A couple summers ago, we went through a series called Sandcastle Kings. I don't know if y'all remember that, but we talked about putting Jesus at the throne of our lives, right? We talked about how sometimes our friends, ourselves, our sports, drama, band, school, work, all that stuff can get in the way of putting Jesus at the top of our life. We talked about the importance it is of having him there. So how do we do that? How do we put Jesus at the top of our life? How, how do we proclaim him um, the, the king of our life? One way is by following his teachings, right? We've been called to follow his teachings. We've been called to love others, and we've been called to serve him. And through this, we are able to establish our lives on solid ground, right? Through staying in Jesus' word, through staying in prayer, through continuing to spread his name, and surrounding yourselves with people in the church, with people who have the same same idea you have of what they want for themselves and what they want for their relationship with Christ. It helps you establish your lives on solid ground, which helps you put God at the top, 
right? It helps it, it makes it easier to follow him, to let him control your life. So more, in more ways than one, we see that Jesus is truly a cornerstone for a lot of people, right? In a lot of different ways, Jesus is that cornerstone in our life. But what about those people who do not believe in Jesus? You know, what about, what about the people at your school that you might know who, who, don't, who don't go to church? You know, who don't, who don't have friends who are followers of Jesus, who don't have friends to, to share with them the great news of our God. Those people that are that are stumbling over God's word every day. So I want to pick up back in First uh, Peter. I want to go back to verses seven through eight. And they say, "Now to you, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But, the, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined." So we see in verse 7 through 8 that those who disbelieve Jesus is a stumbling stone. Alright, so that kind of brings back that idea that we were looking at the beginning when we were when we had cornerstone and stumbling stone and we were looking at them side by side. Um, to those who disbelieve Jesus is a stumbling stone. And we see here in verses 7 through 8 that there's there's no alternative for this, right? There's no, oh, well, Jesus is my cornerstone on Monday, but then I'm tripping over him on Thursday, right? It don't work like that. You're not going back and forth. He isn't building you up one day and tearing you down the next, right? There is no alternative. Either Jesus is that person that we are building our life on, that we are following, that we are pursuing, or he's not, you know? It's something else, right? He's either that cornerstone or he will be your stumbling stone. The idea that Jesus would um, eventually become the stumbling stone of the sun was actually foretold in the Old Testament a couple different times. It's foretold once by Isaiah. And then we also see that Simon also foresaw the same thing when Jesus was presented um, in the temples of newborn. That goes back to the verse that we looked at at the very beginning. I want to read it again. Luke uh, 2.34, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Right, so here Simon is, he's telling y'all, like, this dude's going to be, like, he's either going to be a cornerstone or he's going to be a stumbling stone, right? Either people are going to build and they're going to find life off this guy, or he's, he's going to lead to their downfall. That's what Simon is telling us here. If you look at Matthew 21, 42-44, um, Jesus even considers himself as a stumbling stone. And over time, Jesus became a stumbling stone for the Jews as well, right? You look at the Bible, and he was a stumbling block for so many Jews. A couple reasons why. One reason they thought that they could attain righteousness by keeping the law, right? They were, they were, the Jews were given the law before Jesus, before Jesus came, right? They were given this law to follow. It was God's law. They had to live by it, right? Um, and the Jews thought that they could attain righteousness just by keeping that. Right? They thought they were good enough to just have their good deeds and get to heaven, which obviously isn't true. That's why Jesus came in the first place, because none of us, none of us can do that, right? None of us can be perfect and go to heaven. Um, but these Jews, they just did, they just couldn't process in their minds that they needed this Jesus guy to die for him, for for them. I mean, um, and they also they couldn't accept the need for a suffering Messiah, right? I think they might have been looking at God like, why does this guy have to die for us? You know, like we can just live good, dude. Like we might slip up every once in a while, but we'll follow the rules good enough to come to heaven, you know? But God's like, that's not how it works, you know? Because like you can't follow the rules good enough to get to heaven, right? You 
And the fact that a lot of Jews couldn't get past that, Jesus became someone's own form, right? Became something that weakened uh, the relationship with God. In a similar way, Jesus is a stumbling stone for many people today. We let pride prevent us from accepting and being vulnerable with Jesus, right? We let the idea of people seeing us weak keep us from sharing with people like when we have problems in our life. People also think, still to this day, think that they can please God and go to heaven based off good deeds. Right? There's still people to this day that believe that I ain't got to go to church, I ain't got to have a relationship, I ain't got to be all in the Bible. Like, if I just live good, then I'm going to go to heaven, right? Because good people go to heaven. That's not how it is, right? And in that belief, Jesus becomes a stumbling stone for these people. You see, guys, when you believe, when you can begin to believe this way, when you believe, begin to believe that you don't need Jesus to get through life, when you believe that you don't need Jesus to get to heaven, um, it makes, be, it makes you unwilling, right? It makes you unwilling to confess your sins and your need for Jesus, right? Which is a very important part. Repent is the number one thing, right? Yes, be baptized, but repent, then be baptized. If you don't confess your sins to Jesus, then, like, what are you doing? You know, there's no way to get forgiveness if you don't go to him asking for it in the first place. But this belief that you don't need Jesus to get to heaven has, will cause people to do that. And it also causes people to... Turn their lives away from Jesus, right? To to start going their own way, to start finding their own needs, to start living by their own will, and the people begin to lose sight of God's will for them, what God wants in their life, because they think that they're doing on themselves to get through. And the sad part is this, guys. The sad part is that those who are stumbling right now, those people in your lives that you may know who don't know Jesus, right? the people in your schools who are walking down the hallways. Every single day. The sad thing is, is they don't they don't know what's coming, right? They don't know the obstacles that stand in front of them, um, the hard times that like, like that. See, broke the microphone. All right, we're back. But I'll start getting serious too. That was just kind of all right. Um, but they don't know. But they don't know about the obstacles in their lives that are coming. Those hard times that are standing in front of them and how hard it is to go through that without someone by your side, right? Without Jesus by your side. They don't think about the times in their life that might be coming in the future where they might begin to feel lonely or feel like they don't have anybody around them to support them or walk through life with them, right? They don't know about that. They don't think about the new friends in their lives that could possibly leave them when things get tough, right? Or if you get in trouble with it, they can throw you under the bus just because they don't want their names being the one in trouble. Right? People don't think about that. They don't think about how hard it is to go through life carrying so much baggage every day that you just wish you had something to put it on. Right? Carrying so much just bitterness and hate and negativity on your shoulders that you wish you had a person like Jesus Christ to call to and be like, dude, I've got to get this out. Right? God, I need you, Jesus. I need you to listen. Right? You don't, they don't think about that. Because these people who are stumbling over Jesus, the people who are walking in their life and are falling and tripping over him every day, they don't know they're stumbling until it hits, right? Those people who are walking through life and thinking, hey, I can do me, I can make it through my life, it's easy, I'm chilling, right? Those people, their life is great. Like, your life might be good the way you want it to go and it's going, but what happens when it don't go that way? 
You know, and these people don't know they're actually stumbling until they do. You guys, Jesus can be the person for all these things. All these things I just listed and so many more. Jesus can be the person for all of them. He can be our rock. And if we're willing to believe and obey him, he can be our cornerstone. He can be that person upon which we build our life. You know? He can be that person where we come into this house, we come to this church, and we're surrounded by people who love us, people who will be there for us, people who want to walk in life and want the same thing at the end of the road as we do. Right? Because of him, we have the opportunity to build a fulfilling and meaningful life. Don't have to be perfect, right? No one's perfect. God knows that. Everybody knows that. You don't got to be perfect. He just wants us to continue to do good and spread his name, praise and glorify him, and allow him to be that cornerstone, that building block in our lives. Um, I'm going to finish up uh, the reading right here, 1 Peter. Uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Yeah, Peter's here. Peter is telling us here that if you're living with sin in your life, you've got to do something else. Right? If you're living and the people around you are constantly sinning, right? The people around you are constantly sinning, and you're finding yourself in situations that just don't lead down the path that you want to go on. You've got to make an action, right? You've got to go to God. You've got to allow Jesus to be this cornerstone in your life. I hope as we finish up here this morning that y'all go out and you allow Jesus to guide you and allow him to be that building block in your life. And I also encourage y'all to reach out to the people who might not know him. Reach out to the people that are walking your hallways every week and do not know God, right? The people who are stumbling, right? Stumbling every step they take and they don't even know it. I encourage y'all to reach out to them, right? Fill, fill this room on Sundays with them. Fill our gym on Wednesday nights with them. Be the people that lead others to Christ. Be the people that allow Jesus to be the cornerstone for somebody else. All right, I'm going to pray for us and uh, we'll get this Lord, I thank you for everything.